Michelle, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Really appreciate it. Oh, happy to be here. Um, yeah, your story, uh, we're hearing some of these incredible stories this morning, and uh, they all just sort of are, are real eye-openers to the incredible work that gets done down at the Stollery. And yours is very, very similar. Your little guy, Cameron, um, somebody who's got far too much experience at the Stollery than any child should have to go through. But just Way tell us much. about him. Yeah. So Cameron was born uh, three months premature. Um, he was just a little two-pound little monster, and uh, we spent our first uh, co- oh, first week at the Stollery site at the Royal Alec. Lots of people don't realize that that is also part of the Stollery as well, the NICU there. Um, unfortunately, Cameron did not uh, take the normal cook and grow and get bigger and come home path. He, uh, he got sick. Um, his bowels and his lungs were not uh, able to really sustain him, and uh, we ended up over at the Stollery site at the University Hospital. Um, we were in the in the hospital for eight months, 254 days. Um, at one point, Cameron got so sick that um, they didn't think that he would make it through the day. But uh, it's the story, and you know, they never give up. There's never any question, is this one little life worth it? Is this one little life worth all this effort? And they took heroic efforts, and uh, he, uh, he ended up on something called ECMO, which takes all the blood out of his body and would put it back in to reoxygenate it because he couldn't do it himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so for two weeks, he had a 50-50 chance of survival, um, and it was a terrifying two weeks, but he made it through, and then he made it through another surgery, couple surgeries after that, um, and it was a few months later when he finally came home in November. So, okay, Michelle, is this right? He he was in the NICU for 256 days? 254, um, and most of that was in the NICU, but he did, he did, he was in the stallery itself for 254 days, but the NICU um, from March until August. So almost so, a year of his six years of life. Yeah. Yes, almost a full year of his life he was in the hospital, yeah. And, and he's your firstborn. This is your first baby, and you're no. He's actually my second. I had an older son as well, oh, and I'm, I'm sorry. a single mom of the two boys. It's just me and the boys, and um, so it was a tough thing to go through as uh, as as one person trying to balance a four year old as well as a, a little guy oh, in the hospital. I yeah, imagine. what does that look like then? What does that look like as a single mom with another little one that obviously needs your attention and your love? Also, it kind of it kind of. Situation? For me, it kind of was a job. Like, I mean, not not a job, but I would take my older son to daycare, and I would go to the hospital. I would spend the whole day at the hospital, like a you know nine to five. I was at the hospital with him. I would go. I would pick my young, older son up. I'd bring him home, and as long as I had someone home, someone else here, which I usually did in the evening, my mom or my dad or someone be able to come sit with my older one. I would go back to the hospital from usually about ten until midnight, and then I would come home again, and you know, start it all over again for for eight months. You know, Michelle, we, when we talk to families w- that go through experiences like that, I mean, basically that becomes a home away from home and the staff and the people there become almost like a family in a way, right? Did you find that happened with you? I really did, and especially being on my own, it was me there by myself lots of days, and there was periods of time where I couldn't even talk to Cameron. I couldn't look at him, talk to him, touch him, nothing, because he just wanted to be dark and quiet, and so I would sit in a corner, and I would read a book and, you know, watch what was going on and talk to the nurses, and I learned an incredible amount of stuff about yeah. all sorts of different things, and, um, and yeah, had, you know, really good conversations, and, and they were able to keep me, you know, keep me occupied to, 
you know, not be able to touch your, your child is, is, you know, an awful thing. But, you know, I was able to, you know, have enough people there to, you know, keep me, keep me sane, I guess. Well, Michelle, the, the challenges have continued for Cameron. Um, as a toddler, he was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. Um, he's yeah. in a wheelchair. What, what's Cameron's life look like now, and what's his relationship to the stoller? Is he still going back quite frequently? Um, you know what? We don't go back quite as often, although we did spend a week there this summer. He had to have um, hip surgery. So on both of his hips, he basically had to have them cut and bent um, and pinned. And so he spent his entire summer, 2020, not the greatest year, as you can guess, um, from his hips to his ankles. He spent his whole summer in braces from his hips to his ankles. Um, and he couldn't sit up for more than a 90, more than a 60 degree angle for the entire summer. It was horrific. <laughs> but, um but yeah, he, you know, he is just the happiest kid and he's in grade one right now and he's in a mainstream school, a safe school with his brother and so thrilled about that. Um, and he's just doing so amazing. You know, he learns so much from the kids around him. Um, he learns, he's just learning all the time. And, you know, I, he, everyone that meets him just says that he is, he touches them and some, you know, he has this way about him that just makes everyone know he's just a special kid. Well, Michelle, that's a testament to your strength. And as you're describing your situation and everything that you've been through, I think what happens a lot of times with parents that have spent a lot of time at the stallery, they kind of become medicalized and it just sort of becomes their normal way of life. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the journey that you've that you've kind of been thrust into and that you've taken. Um, but don't take for granted how strong you are and everything that you've been through. I mean, it's just incredible to hear your story going from uh, Cameron being born at two and a half pounds to now a thriving six-year-old who is impacting other people's lives. Um, he just sounds like such an, uh, an amazing kid and you sound like such a great mom. Thank you so much for making the time. Oh, thank you guys so much for doing this. It's a, an amazing, I love the radio phone every year. I listen to it. I've listened to it before I had kids and it's just, it's, uh, you know, it's just always touching to hear all the stories and, and you don't really think that yours is that incredible until someone else tells you that it is, but um, it's, uh, it's really awesome to hear all the stories and, and it's, I'm so grateful that you guys do this every year. It's such an amazing thing to raise money for. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.